Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from our special guest. Thank you, Kyle. What an amazing time of worship. I'm telling you, it's something special when God enters the room. Amen. I believe a lot of you were touched just during that. I want to say this tonight that, um, first off, I'm thankful for Pastor AJ, and I'm thankful that he's given me the opportunity to be able to bring the word tonight. Um, it's an honor. It really is. And I know he's going to be listening to this later. Um, I'm thankful for him. He's my pastor, my mentor. I love him very much, him and Miss Crystal. They mean a lot to this house. Amen. So um, tonight, I just want to give honor where honor's due for that. Um, as we get in, before I get into the Word tonight, because we're going to get into the Word I believe I've got a specific assignment for tonight, but before we get into that, I want to give you kind of an update on what's been happening in LTY, because here's the deal. It's not all the time all the time that I get the chances to be able to tell you what's happening in LTY, so I want to let you know. I'm telling you, God is moving in our students, moving. Um, you might have seen on social media, we just put a post out this week that um, since January 1st, since the turning of the new year in 2023, here at LTY Savannah, we have seen 11 students give their lives to Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had 12 students go through the waters of baptism. Seven students be filled with the Holy Ghost. We've had three recommit their lives to Jesus who are on the backslidden path and now they're back on fire for the Lord. It is special. And that we're only in May, folks. I'm believing for so, so much more. So much more. And I believe that our God is a God of more. Come on, do you believe that? That he is a God of more. He is a God of abundance. And he's going to pour out his spirit. And I believe he's already done that tonight. But I believe for the greater measure. That's what I believe for. So, um, AJ, you can be good. I'm, I can hang with myself um, for the rest of the night. Um, until I need you later. Okay. Um, tonight, Pastor AJ um, has been in this series on healing the orphan spirit, and it's been a powerful series, and he's asked me to kind of pick up where he left off, to kind of take that series a step further, and uh, I'm going to be completely open and honest and transparent with you tonight. Whenever he told me that he wanted me to do that, I threw up in my mouth a little bit, because here's why. This whole idea of sonship 
and healing the orphan spirit and all of this stuff really is new for me. And it's really something that I'm, I'm currently walking through. Not necessarily the orphan spirit part, but the stepping into sonship and what that looks like, what that feels like. It's something that I'm, I'm currently walking through, and I'm, it's really helped me a lot to be able to get into the Word, to be able to see what the Word says about this, because I believe that as we step into relationship with Jesus, we become either a son or a daughter. That's when we become a child of God, and we step into this realm, this identity of sonship. And what does that mean? Because here's the deal. I walked through this life. I gave my life to Jesus when I was, when I was eight years old. Okay, young age. And I've known ever since that moment that I am a child of God. I've known that. But I didn't know how to actually live in that. What does it mean to live in being a child of God? Living in sonship. And here's the deal. Sonship, that is, I'm sure Pastor AJ's covered it, but that does not involve just males. Sonship in Scripture, that is male and female. Just as when we look at the church, the, the, the Scriptures describe the church as being the bride of Christ, male and female. It's just kind of a neutral term there, and it's the same way with sonship here in Scripture, that we, as we step into relationship with Jesus, we step into sonship. That's what we see all throughout Scripture. So what does that mean? And tonight, I want to talk on a subject of this, the fruit of sonship. If you're taking notes, that's my title, The Fruit of Sonship. And as we go into this, it'd be really easy for me to just talk about the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. I could easily go there. We'll probably touch on it a little bit, but that's not exactly where I want to go. That the, the fruit of sonship, I believe the Lord has given me six different fruits. There's more than that, but six different fruits, distinct fruits that we will see happen in our lives as we step into our identity as being sons and daughters. Because that's truly where it all begins with us in our, in our chase after Jesus. It begins at identity. If you do not have your identity rooted in Christ Jesus, you're not going to be any good in the kingdom of God. You've got to have that identity first and foremost. And I believe we can get some things tonight. And I want to compare and contrast almost the difference between gifts and fruit. Gifts and fruit. Because here's the deal. I know we are a Pentecostal church, in case you don't know. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We believe that it is evidenced through speaking in tongues. We believe in all of that. And we believe in the gifts. But I think so often we get caught up in the gifts rather than seeking the giver. And we focus on the gifts so much that we forget about the character that comes along with the fruit that we should gain in our lives as believers and as Christians. So tonight, I want to kind of compare and contrast those two different deals. And don't worry about what's on the stage right here. There's a gift on the stage. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit, okay? That's a little illustration that we're going to do towards the end tonight. But here's the deal. When it comes to gifts and fruit, here's what I believe. I believe if you possess gift and you do not have any fruit in your life, you are literally a ticking time bomb that will ultimately create chaos in the church and in your life and in the lives of people around you. 
If you're just full of gifts and no fruit and no character and no integrity to go along with it, it just creates a big, big, big mess. Chaos. And here's what, here's, I know we are a, a Pentecostal charismatic church. We believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit. We believe he is spontaneous. And sometimes he will take a service and it will just change on a dime sometimes. He's a spontaneous God. But scripture always also tells us that he is a God of order, right? He is a God of order and we are to do things in order. Just as the word tonight was given in tongues, it was followed by an interpretation. There is order that comes along with that. So tonight I want us to look at the fruit of sonship. I'm not talking about necessarily the gifts. The gifts are great. I want to talk about the fruit that comes along with that. So if you have your Bible with you tonight, or if you have your Bible downloaded on your phone, I'm going to trust that you're not scrolling through TikTok. That is happening, LTY, by the way. Um, Isaiah chapter number 5 is where we're going to be. Isaiah 5, we're going to read a few verses beginning in verse number 1. Isaiah 5, beginning in verse number 1. And I'm, I'm be honest with you, I'm not a very good preacher because I didn't have my scripture ready. So here we go. I'm ready now. Isaiah 5, let's all stand tonight for the reading of the Word of God. I always like to do that. I always like to honor the Word. Isaiah 5, beginning in verse number 1 says, Now I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stones, and planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were bitter. Let's pause right there for a second. I don't want to be someone that bears bitter grapes. I don't want to be someone that just bears bitterness. We all know those people, right? We have some people, you immediately had someone come to mind, and I hope it's not the person that you're standing beside, but you know someone that just is bitter and nags all the time. I don't want to be that person. I want to be that person that produces Sweet grapes, sweet fruit, right? Let's keep reading. Verse number three. Now, you people of Jerusalem and Judah, you judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard that I have not already done? When I expected sweet grapes, why did the vineyard give me bitter grapes? Now, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will tear down its hedges and let it be destroyed. I will break down its walls and let the animals trample it. I will make it a wild place where the vines are not pruned and the ground is not hoed, a place overgrown with briars and thorns. I will command the clouds to drop no rain on it. And verse number 7. The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of heaven's armies. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. Let's pray tonight. Father, I thank you for your word. May your word be fruitful tonight. And Lord, may your word come into our hearts and change us tonight. Transform us, Holy Spirit. Renew our minds and Lord, come in power. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated tonight. So tonight, as we dive into this topic of the fruit 
of sonship. I want to tell you, I'm going a little bit of a different direction than I usually go with my sermons. I've never done this before, but I've got an acronym. I've got an acronym. I've got a word that we're going to break down, and each letter has an um, idea or a thought that comes along with it. So number one, the first fruit of sonship that I believe that we can identify is S, sustain. Sustain, that we will find sustainability whenever we come into that identity of being a son or being a daughter. Because here's the deal. Let's look at it from a a real realistic perspective here. Let's look at fruit and let's look at gifts. First off, with gifts, how many of you know, you know, you, you come into Christmas morning and, and you, you really, you're really excited about this Christmas gift that you're about to unwrap, that you're about to unbox, you're about to get something awesome, but how many of you know that that moment, as soon as you unwrap, that the expectation is fun, it's awesome, but as soon as you unwrap that and you see what it is, it almost loses its power. It's like it's the, the spirit of anticipation is all over it. Like you're excited for what it's going to be, and then you're like, yeah, I'm glad I got that. I don't know if that's the way you are. That's the way I am. But whenever we have fruit, whenever we eat fruit in the physical, that sustains us, right? We can eat fruit, and we can be sustained. Our hunger can be quenched. It's not that way when we get a gift, right? It's not that way. That feeling goes, it passes, it goes, um, it goes on, it leaves you behind. But fruit, we can be sustained by that. And I believe it's the same way in the spiritual. It's the same way in the spirit. That our gifts, although they are great, they will not sustain you. They will not keep your relationship with God on a firm foundation. And I speak that from experience, that as you have gifts, they will not sustain you, but the fruit of sonship, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, those characters, that peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things, that is what lays the foundation of our relationship with Christ. That's what builds us. That's what sustains us. Gifts will not sustain our relationship with God, but fruit will. Fruit will. Here's the deal. I think it is possible for you to experience the move of God, but never be changed by the move. I think it's possible for you to come in here on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night like tonight and experience the move of God, to experience the, the moving of the Holy Spirit, but not leave out changed, not leave out coming out of encounter and being completely and radically changed. Here's the deal. The move of God is never meant to just be some fun hype show. The move of God is meant to bring real change, real transformation, and real fruit in your life. Amen? Real fruit in your life. So whenever we come into this fruit of sonship, we can believe and, and, and hold on to the fact that we will be sustained. Our spiritual walk and our life will be sustained. Number two, the P. We're spelling out the word spirit here. The word P, I believe tonight, we're going to use it to stand for the word pruning. Pruning. And this is not a fun, fun word right here. It's not a fun word at all. When I look at Scripture, in verse number six, whenever we read this in Isaiah 5, it says, I will make it a wild place where the vines are not pruned. Can I tell you, in your walk in sonship, 
in your walk with Jesus, you will have to go through seasons of pruning. You will have to go through seasons where God cuts some things out of your life. He does that because he loves you, and he wants you to grow, and he wants you to bear fruit. Because here's the deal. If you don't experience pruning in your, in your life with Jesus, it will become, as Scripture says, a wild place. It will be a wild place where the vines are not pruned and the ground is not hoed, a place overgrown with briars and thorns. So you need to allow, you need to allow God to come in and cut some things out of your life, to do some pruning, to let the refiner's fire come upon you and refine you, to make you new, to make you fresh, to cut that old stuff off and let Jesus do something new in your life. Some of you are wondering why your marriage is in shambles. Some of you are wondering why your business isn't growing and expanding. Some, are you, some of you are wondering why you're still broke. Some of you are wondering these things. And it might be because you're not letting the Holy Spirit come in and do some pruning in your life. It might be because you're not letting God come in and do the work that he needs to do in your relationship, in your marriage, in your life, in your business, in your finances. He needs to, you need to let him come on in to do some pruning because there's some people that you have some things in your life that need to just go ahead and die. It died a long time ago. You need to cut it off and die. That might look like a relationship. It might look like a friendship. It might look like, I, I don't know what it, but it, you might need to die. Some old mindsets might need to die. Some of you are still living in Egypt in your mind. And you need to come through into the promised land. I'm not getting any help in this house tonight. You need to let God come in and do some pruning in your life. And I'm going to just go ahead and tell you, it will hurt. It will hurt. It will not feel good. It will be painful. But I promise you, as I look through Scripture, whenever there are overgrown briars and thorns, fruit will never be able to grow. So if you want fruit, let God come in and do some cutting. Let him come in and do some surgery on you. Let him come in and refine you a little bit. Let's get off of that. Next letter, the I stands for integrity. Integrity. One of the fruits, I believe, of sonship is this. You will walk in integrity. What do I mean by integrity? I mean this. As a son or daughter of God, you will be the same person in the house of God as you are at your own home. You'll be the same person worshiping God in this house as you will be worshiping God in your living room with your husband or your wife watching or your kids watching. I'm going to tell you, I want myself, for myself and for my family, I want to be a person of integrity. Here's why. I want my kids to grow up seeing me worship God at home. I want my kids to grow up hearing me pray in tongues. I want my kids to grow up hearing me worship and spend time in the word of God. I want my kids and my wife to see that because, men, guess what? We're the leaders of the home. So we are called to be that person that goes that step, that studies and spend times, that spend time in the presence of God. It is up to us to do that. 
And I, I'm going to, like I told you um, earlier, I was, I, I did not grow up in this Pentecostal thing, okay? I grew up as a Southern Baptist through and through, okay? Um, don't hold that against me, please. But um, I grew up and I, I had a pastor all throughout my high school years. And I'm not going to tell you his name. It's from around here. Um, but he is he's a man that I still look up to. I look up to. I cherish him. Um, he's a great, great man, a great pastor. Um, and we were talking one day. This was back before, um, back when I was in high school. And here's the deal. At that time, I believed that the, the Holy Spirit was at work today. I believed in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I just had no idea what it was yet. And so I was talking with him, and he told me this that he, is, he believes in the gift of speaking in tongues. He believes in that. He believes in some of the gifts. Some of them he doesn't. It doesn't really make sense. I'm not here to talk about his theology first and foremost. But he was talking to me about Pentecostal preachers, okay? And uh, he was talking to me about how he knew a lot of Pentecostal preachers, and he knew he had actually been to their churches. He was good friends with these preachers, and he had preached at revivals, a Baptist preaching in a Pentecostal church for revivals. He was a fire type of preacher. He came in, he got the job done, he left. That's what he did. But he was talking with me about these people, and he didn't drop any names or anything like that, but he told me this, that what he sees in some Pentecostals that really focus a lot on the gifts is this, that they are one person in the church. And then on Monday, they're living depressed. They're living anxious. On Sunday, they're running the aisles. They're speaking in tongues. They're jumping up and down, praising the Lord, acting happy, saying everything's good. And then on Monday, depression hits. Tuesday, depression. Wednesday, more depression. Where is the joy that you had on Sunday? Where is the happiness that you had on Sunday? Here's why I tell you this. Whenever we step into identity of being a son or daughter, one of the things that should come along with that is integrity. That you are the same person here as you are at home with your family, with your friends, that you're worshiping God, that you're spending time in his presence. Because guess what? That's where fruit comes from. It doesn't come from Sunday morning services. It comes from you spending time in the presence on your own. That's where the real fruit begins to come into your life. So next one, we have the R. And I believe tonight that's going to stand for ripening. Ripening. Um, as you walk in sonship, you will come to know that you will go through seasons of process. You will go through seasons of ripening, that it takes a season, it takes a process to get to that place of ripe, that that ripe means you have arrived at such a stage of growth or development as to be ready for reaping or gathering. And sometimes in your walk with Jesus, there are seasons of waiting. How many of you know that you know the principle of seed time, and harvest. That sometimes you're going to go through this season of waiting, this season of process, this season of ripening. And there's this word that's talked about here in Isaiah chapter 5. It's a Hebrew word, and it's the word kavah. Everyone say kavah. Kavah. And it's this word, and it means this. It means to wait 
eagerly. And this word kaval is mentioned three times in this passage of scripture that we read just a few minutes ago. Verses 2, 4, and 7, that word kaval is presented. And it means to wait. It shows a process that has to happen. There's seasons of waiting that occurs in your life. But in those seasons of waiting, it should be seasons of anticipation. You should be eagerly awaiting what God is about to unfold in your life into the future. And here's the deal. That might be, that season of waiting, it might have started for you 30 years ago. It might take that long for God to prepare you to allow that fruit to grow so that something, that thing that you've been praying for, that promise, that prophetic word that was given to you a long time ago, for that thing to come to pass, for that thing to bear fruit. It might take that that long, excuse me. And here's what I believe. I believe for some of you maybe that that season, you've been waiting 20, 30, 40, 50 years for God to come through on this promise that he made you. I believe that season might be coming to an end for you. I felt like I heard that in my spirit whenever I was preparing this message, that there is seasons of waiting, but there are also seasons to reap, right? There are seasons to gather. And I believe some of you might be coming into that season, but there are seasons in our walk with sonship, in sonship with Jesus, with sonship in the Father, that we have to go through those seasons of process, of waiting, of ripening. Next, we have the letter I, and it's the word inhabitants. Inhabitants. Here's what I mean by that. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 19, it says, Don't you realize that, the, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Did you know that? You don't belong to yourself, but the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You are not yourself. You are God's. He owns you. You are his servant. That's what happens when we step into sonship. We are not our own, but we are God's. And so we we come into that reality. And here's the deal. Whenever we come into that saving knowledge of Jesus and we step into identity and sonship, we step into that. Here's what happens. The Holy Spirit comes and he makes his home inside of you. That's literally what happens. The Holy Spirit comes in and he makes his home inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to take just a minute, and I want you to just get a mental picture of your heart for a second. And I I want you to imagine your heart as being a living room. Maybe, and think about it as your living room at home, your own living room. Think about your heart in that way. Now, if if you're me, you've got an almost two-year-old and a baby at home. Your living room is not always put together. <laughs> There's clothes thrown everywhere. There's, you know, trash, old food. There's maybe a banana that's on the floor that's been squished and walked all on because, you know, your almost two-year-old is walking. That happened the other day, by the way. But imagine your heart as that living room. Imagine the Holy Spirit in that living room. And from my living room, that might be a mess. The Holy Spirit comes in and cleans all that junk up. He comes in and he cleans house. He comes in and he does the work. It only took me to invite him in. And he does the cleaning. He does the refining. He's the one that does the work for 
us. That's the amazing thing about it. He comes in and he inhabits your life and inhabits your soul. It's something that he does. And here's what I want to tell you tonight, that no matter what your living room looks like, no matter what your heart looks like right now, whatever the condition of your heart is, I want to tell you that you are not defined by what you've done in the past, but you are defined by what God has already done for you on your behalf, that he has done the work. You are not defined by what those mistakes that you made, that those magazines that are on your living room table, by that computer that's in your living room. You are not defined by those things, by those mistakes anymore, but you are defined by who you are in Christ Jesus. Does anyone believe it in the house tonight? That you are defined, and as you come into that identity, that's when freedom takes place. That's when real freedom and deliverance takes place whenever you step into that identity of being a son or being a daughter. Lastly, the T tonight, it stands for true. What do I mean by true? I believe this is one of the fruits of, of sonship, that you will be true. And this almost goes along with integrity, but here's the deal. If we're comparing and contrasting gifts and fruit... Here's what I know. Gifts can be deceiving. They can. Let's take, for example, this gift right here. Jay, you want a gift? Here you are. Now, don't open that gift yet. Or ever. You're not going to open it. It's not yours. I'm taking it back. <laughs> but Jay's got this gift. And Jay, shake it around a little bit. What do you think's in that? Treasure, something good. Because people only give, most of the time, good gifts, right? When we look at the Father, He only gives good gifts. We see that in Scripture. He only gives good gifts. But in the reality of here and now, if we're not talking about the Father, if we're talking about our earthly self, gifts can be deceiving. What if I told you that that wasn't something good, that there's actually a rattlesnake in that? Now... We're not that type of church, by the way. <laughs> but that gift would be deceiving, right? Because it's got that colorful wrapping paper. It looks good. Presents are usually good. But it maybe deceived you. Gifts can be deceiving. But here's the deal. I'll take that back from you because it's not yours. You don't want, you don't want anything out of this anyway. It's nothing. It's a bunch of trash. Um, Here's the deal. Gifts can be deceiving, but fruit cannot. Fruit cannot be deceiving. Because here's the deal. I can spot a preacher or a Christian that has a whole lot of gifting, who speaks in tongues all day, who prophesies to every person that they come across. But I can see through them and see that their fruit is not real, that they do not have any love for that person, that they don't have any compassion, that they don't have any grace Fruit, it cannot be deceiving. Gifts can be deceiving. Do you know some people like that? Do you know some Christians like that? That their gifts, they really say, they seem anointed, but in reality, they're just deceiving. That they do not have the fruit. They are not walking in the identity of sonship, of walking in that identity and bearing that fruit that happens when we walk in that. So tonight, as we kind of come to a close here. AJ, if you would come. 
Here's how I want to close. Tonight, I've, out, I've laid out six different fruits, I believe, of sonship. And there's many more. These are not all. But this is what the Lord has given me for tonight. Can I tell you, God is more concerned with your character than your gifting. God is more concerned with your fruit, the fruit that you bear than the prophetic words that you give. He's more concerned about that. So here's the deal. How do we bear fruit? How does that work? What happens? What do we have to do? Well, I'll tell you this. It's not up to God to give us fruit. God gives us gifts. We see that in Scripture. God gifts, gives His children gifts. But God does not give fruit. It's up to us to bear the fruit. It's up for us to cultivate that fruit. It's up to us to water and take care and protect the fruit that God grows in us. It's up to us. And I had this reality about, it's probably been about a year or so ago. I was in my personal prayer time, and uh, something that I prayed fairly often was this, that God, you would cultivate in me a heart to study your word that you would cultivate in me a heart to spend time in your presence. But the Lord spoke to me and he said, don't ever pray that again. Here's why. God is not the one that does the cultivating. It's up to me to spend time in the presence. It's up to me to get into the word. Because when you get into the word, you end up finding out that you can't put the word down because it's so good and it brings life to your soul and into your spirit. It's not God's job to do that. It's not God's job to create fruit in you. You have to surrender. You have to spend time in the presence. You have to be the one to get into the word, to spend time in prayer, to do those things. And as that word was given tonight about surrender, maybe tonight's a night for you to surrender. To say, God, I'm going to take hold of the reins and I'm going to be real with you. I'm going I'm to get real and spend time in your presence. Spend time in the word. Spend time in prayer. Because guess what? That's what sons and daughters do. That's what sons and daughters in the kingdom of God do. They spend time in the presence. The presence. So tonight, if you would stand to your feet. I want to look back at one more verse tonight, and it's verse number four of Isaiah 5. It says, what more could I have done for my vineyard that I have not already done? What more could God do in your life before you get real with Him? How many more prophetic words do you need before you come into the reality that God is who He created you to be? How long, how much more does God need to do? How many more seas does God need to part in your life? For you to say, God, I'm in this. I'm sold out to you. How much more? If we can bring the lights down, I'm going to pray. 
God, I thank you for your presence that's in this room right now. Lord, I pray that we surrender to you totally and completely. Lord, we come into our our identity that we are a son or that we are a daughter in the kingdom of God. And you cherish us. You not only love us, but you like us. And Lord, we step into that tonight. We surrender to you. keep you too long tonight, but I do feel like that um, I believe in a God who heals. Do you believe in a God who heals? I just heard in my spirit arthritis, arthritis being healed tonight. If you struggle with that, raise your hand. Anyone? Yep. Raise your hand up high. If you see someone around you who has their hand raised, I want you to lay lay hands on them. If you can make your way, if you can find a way to get to that person, lay hands and begin to pray. We're going to let the body minister to the body tonight. There's a spirit of healing in this room. In Jesus' name, we cancel arthritis and we declare... come into alignment into the kingdom Jesus you are perfect theology you are perfect theology Jesus and in the scriptures every person that you encountered that was sick left healed left whole so Lord we declare tonight in the name of Jesus complete and total healing we take dominion over arthritis tonight in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus if you're not praying for anyone right now or if you're not being prayed for if you need a miracle in any way shape or form stretch your hands out in front of you if you need a miracle over your finances if you need a miracle in the physical if you have a family member or a friend that needs a miracle Put your hands out in front of you and receive. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you are the miracle worker, that you are the promise keeper. And, Lord, you still work and do miracles today. So, Lord, we ask you that you would come. Signs, miracles, wonders. Lord, we pray for testimonies tonight to be unlocked. God, we pray for for destinies to be unlocked in the name of Jesus. I pray for strongholds to be broken, addictions to be broken tonight. we thank you for it because as we give thanks that establishes our heart to receive a miracle so tonight we give thanks can you just tell him that tonight out of your own mouth say thank you Lord thank you Jesus 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. I believe people's been touched tonight. And with faith, I believe people's been healed tonight. If you've been healed, if you go to the, I'm speaking to those who, who, um, who got prayed for for arthritis tonight. We want to know if you go back to the doctor and they say you're completely healed. We want to know that. Put that on a connection card. Tell one of us, one of the staff. We want to know that. We want to celebrate that. And we want to hear that testimony and share that testimony. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That what happens in someone can happen again. Do you believe that? Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.